So a few months ago, I saw this video on YouTube about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And uh, I, I remember watching it and stopping and thinking, this cannot be right. It took everybody by surprise. Uh, it was very well researched. We went and followed up and did our own research to make sure that it was right before I started talking about it. It was very professional, a little bit nutty at first because it's a conspiracy theory. But it was a conspiracy theory about a 29-year-old bartender randomly becoming a, a socialist hero in the U.S. Congress. That's crazy. According to the video, AOC's rise to stardom was no accident because AOC had been primed for the role. She had been coached on every single policy point that she makes. The real surprise was that this huge story came out of nowhere and went viral instantly. It was not the work of reporters from the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, Fox News, New York Times. There was no news organization behind it. The claims in the video hadn't appeared anywhere in the mainstream media. They hadn't even been discussed by conservative media. When I watched it, I thought this is either really ballsy as a lie or it's true. It was from a uh, um, uh, uh, anonymous YouTube uh, person who broke a massive news story. Nobody in the media seemed to even be aware of the story. Not only that, uh, this is a story that has impact on our culture. This would not have been possible 10 years ago. Some guy who you've never heard of breaking a story this big. I don't know if it could have happened five years ago. Well, I was immediately enthralled. The video seemed like just one more sign that the mainstream media is fully collapsing. Naturally, we wanted to know more about the disruptive person behind the video. But what we found were a bunch of videos similar to the AOC video on a YouTube account that has only been active for a year. And a guy called Mr. Reagan on YouTube and Twitter. The name Mr. Reagan, an homage to Ronald Reagan, the great communicator. His mission statement is a quote from Ronald Reagan. It's, quote, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so, end quote. In the culture war, Mr. Reagan is railing against mainstream media, socialism, and identity politics. And he is using facts to back it up. He's doing it a new way. He eschews all frill, placing his unabashedly conservative stance at the center of his videos, which is a dangerous thing to do lately, especially for him. He lives in Los Angeles and he's on YouTube. He can reach a million people with a rant that he filmed on his phone. It's not easy. He's been shadow banned, blocked, reported, caught in algorithms, you name it. But he's still going. Without a doubt, he knows his politics, which only adds to the intrigue of this disruptive and mysterious kind of guy. The more of his videos I watched, the more I wondered, who is he? Does he really live in L.A.? Is he an open conservative? How does he survive if so? Those are the surface questions. I had to do more digging than I expected, but his real name is Christopher Coles. He's a journalist and a fiction writer. He has two volumes of short stories, which are quite brilliant. Uh, Straight White Christian Male, Volume 1, and Straight White Christian Male, Volume 2. But there's not a lot of information beyond that. 
So I decided to fly him into our studios in Dallas. I figured the best way to really get some answers was to have him come here so we could talk face-to-face on this podcast. So my guest today is the unknown Christopher Coles, the man who is the very well-known Mr. Reagan, who has made it his mission to fight the radical left using humor and facts, and who may very well help take down the mainstream media in the process. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. I just really want to thank our sponsor uh, of this podcast. Um, They remind you that it takes about 45 minutes for police to respond to a home security alarm. I mean, that's almost an hour. That is crazy. But when you hear why it takes so long, you'll understand. When a home security system is triggered, most of the times police just just like, it's just a false alarm because it is like in my house, like a hundred times, but not with simply safe home security. Simply Safe is the only one that has video verification technology. It helps police get on the scene up to 3.5 times faster. I don't know. That might be helpful. You actually go to the top of the list. And again, Simply Safe is the only one that can visually confirm that a break in is happening and they let the police know. That makes the response time about seven minutes instead of 45. Simply Safe. Protect your home, protect your family, every door, window, everything you need. Simply Safe. They have a huge deal going on right now at simplysafe.com slash Glenn Beck. You'll get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a hundred dollar value. Get it now. It is simplysafe.com slash Glenn Beck. Do it today. Simplysafe.com slash Glenn Beck. So should I call you Chris or Mr. Reagan? Chris is fine. Okay. (laughs) Um, I assume Mr. Reagan comes from your love of Ronald Reagan. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. What what was it that you loved about him? Well, there were a a lot of things. Uh, I mean, primarily in the 80s when I was growing up and Reagan was president, uh, there was a sense that Christianity was important. You know, morality was important. Ethics were important. And uh, I had that in my family. And Ronald Reagan actually reminded me a lot of my grand- grandfather at the time. Mm-hmm. I saw Reagan and I saw somebody very much like, you know, my own family. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me my whole life. And he's obviously an icon of conservatism. Mm-hmm. So when I decided to do a channel, I didn't want to use my real name. I mean, who am I? You know, I was nobody. But Mr. Reagan, that's a name, you know, that that people would instantly know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to me, it was more of a branding thing. It was very easy to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's strange because uh, I was thinking about, I don't really know much about you. You're a little cagey on, uh, (laughs) uh, but I don't know anything really about you. And that, you know, that used to be the norm for people Mm -hmm. who were journalists. They, you know, Peter Jennings. I knew he was a Canadian. I think that's about it. Right. Uh, Walter Cronkite. We didn't know anything about it. The guy was a communist. You know, at the end, right. we're like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, uh, but now it's you kind of want to know um, who people are. So I know you live in Los Angeles. How did that happen? And how is that working out for you? <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what. Growing up, I was a creative type. Uh, you know how... Um, Jordan Peterson says that he's kind of like a liberal type person, like a leftist kind mm-hmm. of. But 
really he's conservative because mm-hmm. he's a rational person. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees the world and he accepts the reality that he lives in. Mm-hmm. And I'm exactly the same way. I think I have a very creative, what would kind of traditionally be considered like a more of a leftist brain. Mm-hmm. I think that's partially what gives me my perspective on politics. I know the failures of that mindset because I'm a creative person myself. I invent worlds. I love writing stories. Mm-hmm. I love writing fictions. And so for me growing up, I thought I want to get into the film industry. I want to be a writer. I used to watch The Twilight Zone and I thought when I was 13, I saw my first episode of The Twilight Zone. Um, there was one in particular called uh, Time Enough at Last. Do you know this episode? Uh, it was the one with, with the uh, Burgess Meredith. Yep, yeah, yeah, Burgess Meredith. Yep. And uh, my mind was blown. And I Love said, if, if I could write as well as this, I would be better than any writer living today. And so I was hooked at that point. You know, that point on, I was a writer in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Hollywood for those reasons. Didn't have the connections. Uh, pretty much just a perpetual failure for many, many years. And then one day I thought, you know, let me, let me do what they're doing on YouTube. Let me talk a little bit about the stuff that I believe in from my perspective. Because when you have a creative mind and you're not really, you don't have that conservative, logical brain, you can see why a romantic brain would, would fail in creating policy. Mm-hmm. Because you're, there's these temptations to strive for a utopia that can't exist. Mm-hmm. I, I strive, I, you know, I have that. I have that mm-hmm. temptation. But I fight it and I recognize, you know, the frailty of that. Like, it, it will only lead to destruction. I mean, you can see what happened in Venezuela and USSR, mm-hmm. you know, in China. The, you know, just devastating tragedies. What's funny is it's usually the artists that drive a society in mm-hmm. that direction. Mm-hmm. And, and, they're the, and then they're the first to be killed off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. they're the always one. They're the ones who are writing the poetry of "woe is man" mm-hmm. that actually pulls you back out of it, and they don't ever uh-huh. seem to learn the the lesson. No, I, I, I don't. I mean, artists are necessary, mm-hmm. uh, but they are very powerful. They're much more so, powerful than people think. I don't think people understand that um, because we don't spend the time. Because I, I think I have a an artist's brain as well. I was getting to that. I think you're kind of in there with me. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so I do see things differently and I can, I can relate on how people can see things that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't understand in a theater, I want all of the lefties on stage cause mm-hmm. they're probably pretty good at doing a show. That's right. But I want everyone who's a, a conservative running the box office and if i don't have that if i have the lefties in the box office and the conservatives on stage it's a disaster yeah it's a disaster and um we need each other yeah we do we do yeah and it's it's a it's a perfect analogy it's a really beautiful analogy for you know what you're talking about the theater Mm -hmm. right and the producer needs to be somebody with that sort of almost like a banker's mentality Mm -hmm. right uh sort of divorced from emotion, right? What I would call uh, dispassionate, right? I I feel like politics needs to be dispassionate because this is from a storyteller's point of view, but politics is all about ethical dilemmas, right? Do I let these 100 people die or do I fix the situation so only 13 people over here die instead? Uh That's a brutal situation, you know, but sometimes politicians have to make awful decisions like that. And it may not be that 
drastic, mm-hmm. but there's always some kind of compromise that needs to be made. Some people are going to be hurt and some people are going to be benefited. And those are cold, calculated moves that need to be made by, you know, a calculating brain. Yeah, because you, otherwise you get into where we are on the border. Mm-hmm. Where, exactly right. Yeah. The uh, United States is a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. It's a giant lifeboat. And right now, Central and South America are going down. They've hit an iceberg and they're going down and nobody wants to be there. So they're coming here. Well, at some point, if you're in a lifeboat, you have to get away from the sea of people or everyone will die. You know, and we don't care about the ship going down. We care about the precious cargo of the people, Mm -hmm. because as long as we have the people, we can rebuild ships. That's right. But you can't save everyone. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, we're swamping our boats now, our lifeboats, and we're not going to be able to help anyone. And what's crazy is you, those who actually are behind all this, they know that. They know all that. Yeah. And that's not their goal to help everyone. Right. Um, but those who are, um, you know, saying, yeah, we should give health care to anybody who comes across our border. <laughs> They're just not thinking it through. And we need to let everybody come across the border at the same time. Yeah. Right. You know, that's something I've struggled with for some time because I deal in motivations and intentions. That's what I'm always trying to figure out. What's somebody's motivation or what's their intention? Right. Stanislavski. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not an actor thing. I didn't. I didn't. Tensions and obstacles. <laughs> no, right. no, I'm not, I'm not method. All right. I'm not method. No, but it's it's really ju- that's just how you break down. Like, wh- what what are you really trying to do here? You know, what is what is the point of communism? What is the point of capitalism? Right? Why do we have that institution? Capitalism is so unfair. You get these ridiculously rich people, and you get these ridiculously poor people with capitalism. How how is that fair? But you realize. You know, if you really think about this, the, the, the motivation is, you know, back in the feudal times, you had the rich, you had the poor, and there was no movement. That was it. If you were born poor, you were going to stay poor. That was it. There was no choice. Now that we have capitalism, now that we have a market system, a poor person can become a rich person. And not only that, but when, as the rich get richer, the poor get richer too. Mm-hmm. And that was never true before. Capitalism actually makes that possible. Mm-hmm. So you're taking these poor wretches out of poverty and putting them into like the middle class or at least the lower middle class. And that's a benefit. Even if the rich get ridiculously richer, I don't care. As long as we're keeping these people from starvation. I'm at, we're, our problem today is that the poor people are too fat. That's a good problem to have, right? Fixing that's a lot better than fixing starving children, mm-hmm. you know. But, you so, know. Uh, you say as long as we keep these people from starving, I would say as long as you keep the possibility uh, alive that even the starving can become whatever it is they choose to become as much opportunity as possible right 100 percent agree with right that. and you, you just don't get that with another system but haven't we when you say capitalism it tests horribly but when yeah, you true. say yeah. when you say free market yeah. it tests like 70 yeah. percent uh, favorable um, it is funny how rhetoric <laughs> changes people. Yeah. To me, it's all, you know, the But when people of think thing. of capitalism now, I think they think, they think that America uh, is a free market. We are less free as a market than they are in Sweden. Uh, absolutely right. You know? yeah. And the Swedes think we're nuts for what we're doing now. Um, and well, very state by state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Texas is pretty. Texas sweet. is pretty good. Yeah, Texas yeah. is pretty good. But as a, overall, the free market is not free. You, mm-hmm. Bill Gates, couldn't have started Microsoft. I mean, that's according to Bill Gates now. 
the problem that uh, he said that they had uh, they have now is Apple was smart. They put all of their people in Washington, D.C. to lobby, mm-hmm. and he didn't think that was necessary. Yeah. Well, that's not a free market. No, no. One, one thing I heard once was that if you're starting out a business, the only way to really do it, because it's so expensive because of the regulation, yeah. is to cheat. You cheat until you get caught, and then you stop cheating, and you, you got to work within the system. Until you have enough money where they, they notice you. See, you know, that's, it shouldn't that's be like that. Yes, that's the problem. It shouldn't be that's like that. That's what people are trying to run away from. The corruption in corruption. the you know in Russia and whatnot, a hundred percent. You're hundred percent Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, right. you're right. And yeah. we are becoming those same kinds of people. With the more regulation you get, more that way for sure. Yeah, because everybody finds a way around the regulation, or they're they're or motivated they're just, to anyway. Yeah, you know, because if you can't start a business without going through all these hoops and you can't go through the hoops, what do you do? You you, you have to cheat. And I don't blame people for doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm hypothetically, I'm a rule follower. But in reality, you, you know, you have to do what's right. And that, that sometimes means breaking a couple of rules, you know. Well, now let, let's talk about rules um, and let's use Google and mm. Facebook and YouTube as an example. Now the rules are so everywhere and also so nebulous. I mean, I know Steven Crowder, he's with his attorneys in YouTube all the time saying, explain the rule. Mm -hmm. And the rules keep changing and they're never really fully explained. So how does somebody like you survive online? Well, I did, you know, I got a manager and so I can put in ads now. Originally... It was pretty good. I would get ticked for, you know, uh, demonetization on this video or that video or whatever. Um, now that doesn't matter so much now that I have ads on my show. Um, so that kind of saved me. Because as soon as I did my AOC video that blew up, that you, by the way, i got to give you so much credit, because you were really the only one that took that seriously. Uh, there were a couple other people, but for the most part, everybody just dismissed this as politics as usual. And I said, if this is politics as usual, then it's a way bigger story than just yeah. AOC. And it's I don't not, think so. I saw that. I saw that story. And first of all, I recognized the effort. I uh-huh. mean, it was very reminiscent of what I have done in the oh, yeah. past. And so I recognize when somebody has put in a lot of work. And I yeah. know the one thing that I always thought would happen mm-hmm. was that honest people would look at it and they could look past the showmanship of it and they would say gosh that looks like a pretty good case is that true and just do some simple checking exactly with some simple checking what you came up with and what you what you demonstrated was absolutely true what happened what happened after that well so pretty much after that pretty much every video after that was demonetized it was simply anytime i would post a video demonetized um not only that but youtube had announced prior to that they had announced that if anything comes anywhere close to anything like a quote-unquote conspiracy theory they were going to restrict the distribution right that was their 
I don't know, right or their policy or something like that. But they didn't they didn't really explain what borderline they, they call borderline. That's what they call it, borderline. Me talking about the caliphate in 2010 was called a conspiracy theory. It happened. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? Well, pretty much any time you mention George S. Oh, yeah. on, on, the, on the YouTubes, it's considered. So I, I looked into him because, you know, there were some ties there to Zach Exley and there were some ties from Zach Exley, which you were on to Zach Exley in like a million years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were on to that guy even like at the very beginning, like way before any of us knew who, who the heck he was, before I think even you knew who, who he was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I figured out there was a connection between AOC and George S. And I was like, wow, that's kind of fascinating. Let me, let me dive into the, the stuff about him because, you know, a lot of people like, oh, this is all conspiracy theories. A lot of people are like, no, seriously, he's got his fingers and everything. So I thought, okay, okay, let me really dive in. It was astonishing to me, astonishing mm-hmm. how not only how right you were when you when you did that when you did that huge you know it was a huge thing yeah I mean, it was a huge thing, but also just since then how much stuff that he's done. I mean, the guy he really wants. I mean, it's like megalomania. Yeah, and it's and it's so much of it is true. I I I, I can't even remember seeing an article that I thought. You know, that wasn't backed up by evidence, mm-hmm. that it wasn't clearly true mm-hmm. that this was happening. And now they're saying, OK, yeah, with the uh, district attorneys and stuff like that, you know, uh, or yeah, district yeah. attorneys around the country is trying to do that now. Attorney generals. Attorney generals. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's it's weird. It's like, why do you want? And that, that's what I was talking about, struggling with the motivation and attention. Why would a billionaire care so much? Why do they want to control the United States, especially when, he, you know, he's can. getting up there? Yeah, he maybe. Said- He's, I mean, he is, he's quoted uh, in his own book and on video mm-hmm. saying it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's he is. Fun. You're right. And yeah, some people get hurt with these little experiments we do, but that's what happens. And he says he's got a messiah complex. Yeah. You know, I'll just say a, this stuff. I know. It's a really, <laughs> it's an amazing thing that you wonder other than other than not wanting to be on the wrong side of him, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is a scary place to be. Absolutely right. Um, you wonder, is there no one? Is there really no one that thinks this? I mean, the left used to be against star chambers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's as close to you get to, as you can get to, a, like, you know, the the classic movie star chamber. I was going to say, people should watch that movie. They haven't seen yeah, star chamber. I mean, he yeah. is really as close as you can get to that, yeah. um, uh, without going into fiction and, yeah. and nobody seems to care. No. Yeah, it is. It is a weird thing. And it's not just him though. There, I mean, there's other oh, yeah. leftist billionaires. It's bizarre. It's like my, my theory has been that if a person has an opportunity to change the world, he will convince himself that doing so is good. Because it will put you in the history books. And for whatever reason, especially if you're rich, especially if you're very, very rich, like billionaire level rich, you want to be in the history books. Because what else are you going to do? You've, you've accomplished all these other goals, mm-hmm. you know, in your life. You don't really have anywhere else to go. Oh, I should name, put my name in history if I do this little thing and tweak the world in such a way that it makes a historic change. Yeah, but that historic change might be the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. That historic change might be something utterly devastating to people mm-hmm. but in your mind you're like but i really want to get in the history books so i'm gonna figure out a way why sending tons and tons of migrants into europe is actually a good thing 
devastating to people, devastating to people, but he can make a difference, quote unquote, you know, so he's going to go ahead and do it. Back in 2010, I talked about how the caliphate would be formed. Middle East would be set on fire. Caliphate would be formed. Mm -hmm. And that would spread up into Europe through, you know, immigrants. Mm -hmm. That would destabilize. And then it would come over here. Mm -hmm. It's the same people saying that this was good then. We got Europe, you have to take that. This is good. You have to take them. Yeah. That are saying now we have to take everybody who comes across our border. And yeah. they're now in Europe apologizing to Europe saying, oh, I'm sorry, that was really bad. That destabilized yeah. things. But they don't recognize it over here. They're, they're not honest brokers. No. I'm, I'm currently reading The Strange Death of Europe. Great book. Mm. And uh, it is... It, there, there is something to be said for the preservation of culture, you know, and, and nobody likes to talk about that as it, when, it, when, it, when it pertains to European cultures because it's white people, you know, it's, it's the people who were the colonists at one point. So there's either the argument that we've got to pay for our sins or there's the argument that, you know, we're the bad guys and everybody else is the good guy or there's the argument that we have all the wealth and so we need to be generous to help other people. And that argument I actually, to some degree, agree with. Um, but have you seen the bubble gum or the bubble gum? The, uh, yeah, I think it's bubble gum gumball. The gumball video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'll send this to you. It's an amazing video. There's this guy, he just has a bunch of gumballs, and he says, this is how many poor people there are in the world, like truly poor. And it's an unbelievable, like just tons of gumballs. He's like, this is how much, how many immigrants we take in every year. He takes one gumball, puts it in the, this little t- you know, glass. He says, this is how many illegals come in. And he takes another gumball, he puts it in the glass. He goes, this is not helping anything. It's like every year, this is how many more poor people are born. And he pours like a whole thing of gumballs in. It's like, you think we're helping the world out by taking, you, you want to feel good about yourself by taking one gumball of immigrant, immigrants into your country? It's like, no, you got to help people out where they are. We got to figure out systematic approaches to helping people throughout the world. The immigration thing is just going to hurt us and it's not going to help anybody. I think, um, but I think that's what the free market does. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's, that's the best way to help people out is to teach them how to fish. I mean, even if you've seen the Bono speech that he gave at the London School of Economics, here's a guy who's been given charity forever, who finally comes out and goes, you know what? None of this is work. I've been doing it forever. None of this works. The best thing we can do is strengthen capitalism, the free market, give them access to the free market and, and help them help themselves you know i saw that same video and he just seemed so sad he seemed so defeated wouldn't you your life's work and you realize it was a waste absolutely i see you know it's in one way it is a little depressing to see somebody who feels that that way that like you know they've struggled so long and it hasn't worked because you want to believe and that's the that's the sort of less leftist idealism that i'm talking about Mm -hmm. you know there there is this idea that i can make a difference and you you know you can potentially start a business or you know there's many many ways to actually help within a system that is effective um but these like kind of little uh you know idealistic ways to try to fix the world if they're not effective you do have to abandon them and it is sad especially for an artist especially for somebody who's a dreamer who really wants to do those things but really, I mean, if you truly want to help people, you really have to focus on the things that work. And the market works. I mean, like you yes, said, the, teaching people to fish works. Right, because of the individual. Yeah. 
You know, we're, we're losing sight of the individual. Yep. So, you know, you, we've all worked at places where somebody has an idea, or you might have had an idea, and then there's somebody always at the table who's like, that's not going to work. Yeah. That's not going <laughs> to work. And you're just like, yeah. shut up. It yeah. would work if we could all get on the same page. Where the leftist goes wrong is eventually they remove that person from the table mm -hmm. and anyone else that might be thinking that way. Yep. And uh, if they have to forcibly remove them, they will forcibly remove them because we are going to do this because it will work. And the more it doesn't work, the more they can't be proven wrong. It's got to be somebody else that doesn't believe in it. That's, that's right. screwing it all up. Yeah. You're 100% right. I mean, this is why they're trying to silence all the voices on on YouTube, on Twitter, all, How any concerned conservative about voice. that are you? <sighs> I'm not as concerned as some people because, and, and the main reason is because I think there's enough of us now um, who are aware of what's happening that I don't think that they can get away with it. And I think they kind of know that. <laughs> I, I, okay, minute, you're laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, God, I remember when I was young and naive. Too. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm a little yeah. optimistic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. What is your what are you uh, thinking? Let, what let, are you me, thinking? let me just go to Justice Democrats. Well, those guys are definitely like, you know, they have upped the game. You're, you're right. Every yeah. step of the way, they do it under the cover of darkness, mm -hmm. uh, and they get worse and worse and worse. And it's a conspiracy theory, and nobody, everybody is told, oh, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Only in, when somebody is there to replace the Justice Democrats that are worse than the Justice Democrats yep. will we hear and really accept what the Justice Democrats were doing. Well, you're 100% right. And, and, and their, their plan is actually a relatively effective plan if they can pull it off. So why don't you explain who they are and what, what their plan is? Because they just pulled off something. They just... Got a district attorney elected. That's mm -hmm. that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's hire the chief law enforcer to yeah. not enforce the law. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the same thing's going on I mean, with with what happened in Portland. Uh, I was looking into the chief of police up there, and they're like, "We want to do community policing, which is essentially like what not arresting Antifa and like oh. not doing your job." Okay, well, let me get into brand new Congress and Justice Democrats. So. Originally, it was called Brand New Congress. This is uh, the brainchild of a guy named Zach Exley. Zach Exley is a, a Soros minion. Um, and uh, he, this comes from a long line of, of people who had similar ideas. But the idea was to completely replace Congress with uh, socialists, really. They call themselves progressives. They're far-left Democrats who want redistribution and all this kind of nonsense. I think we have, because I'm a... a I'm pretty well read on the progressive movement. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we are now out of the progressive movement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are now in the socialist. <laughs> Straight up socialism. Right. Progressives are progressives are people like Joe Biden. And he's he looks right. like he's a, a dinosaur. Yeah. That that era is over. The progressives brought us to the doorstep yeah. of socialism. And now the socialists are like, good, sit down. We'll take it from here. Well, we should actually dive into the word socialism, because to use one of your words, the great word, nebulous, uh, <laughs> socialism is now a nebulous term, which it never yeah. was historically. I mean, mm -hmm. socialism was essentially synonymous with communism as a Marxist idea, mm -hmm. right, of the redistribution of wealth in, in the communist mold. With and Well, socialism is, I mean, I, I know the technical definition, well, it used to be the step between capitalism and communism. Communism, people think, oh, that's when the state gets really ugly and puts everybody in a gulag. 
No, not according to Marx. <laughs> no, no. According to no. Marx, it's the ideal. It's, it's the utopia. It's the yeah. utopia. And yeah. then when they say, oh, well, that wasn't really communism, they're actually right. According well, to not, Marx, it's not the, but it will it's never not happen. It's hypothetical communism. It's yes. the result of what happened. Look, this is why communism doesn't work. You, put, you tell everybody that they just got to work as hard as they can, and we'll, we're going to pay you all the same. And a lot of people say, you know, if I don't... If I don't have to work harder than this guy, like, why am I working so hard? And then you go, okay, well, people are being less productive than we need them to because everything's run by the state. And so then you have to have a class of enforcers, mm-hmm. right? And instantly you have two classes. Mm-hmm. You have the oppressed class and you have the oppressor class, right? And, and this creates a, an instantaneous authoritarian dictatorship because you have to control the masses. You have to control them with violence. It's the only way or force. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to do it. Um, and so always communism will turn into that. It will always turn into that. But they it's don't... against human nature. It's a com- completely. Against human nature. And we've tried it. We've tried it for religious reasons. The Mormons mm-hmm. tried something like that. They called it the United Order, I think. The Pilgrims tried it. We I had know about it the in, Pilgrims. I didn't know about the Mormons. Yeah, it was the it's United... history. Yeah, United Order. They had... Um, they were really struggling. They said, put everything together. Mm-hmm. 100% tithe. And mm-hmm. you just work, and it fell apart that fast. It is such a beautiful dream. It I is. Love, it's beautiful. I love the dream. I love the idea that people will motivate themselves to help yeah. out the, the their fellow right. man. Right. But people are so lazy and selfish. They, that's <laughs> exactly what happened. They were they yeah. were like, well, you know, brother so and so's not doing it. So I mean, I'm not going to work yeah. all day and have him sit around and do it. It's not right. And the Mormons came to the conclusion. This is a great idea. And when Jesus comes, yep. maybe he can convince everybody to be on board. <laughs> you know yeah, what? Maybe I mean, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is. True. I think it is the way Christ yeah. would rule. But nobody's Christ. Right. Everyone else needs a gun. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. And if you have a strong motivator, and maybe that motivator could be God himself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a strong motivator, then yeah, you'll, be, you'll get productive, you know, productivity out of people. But the, but the motivator is in America yep. is you can better yourself. Absolutely. You can better your station. You can better. And one of the problems is, is we've been convinced that you can't better the nation. Right. You, I mean, sorry, your station. Yep. You can't better yourself. Yep. My kids will not be better off than Hopefully I Hopefully we can better the nation. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah, it's a, I don't know because it's such a benevolent system in, in terms of, the distribution, because what we're really doing is redistribu- redistributing opportunity. That's what capitalism is. Communism is redistributing the, the fruits of everyone's labor. Uh, but capitalism is redistributing opportunity because you want, you really want the best of the best. So it's in everybody's best interest to educate everybody well, to have everybody at the top of the game. So the best of the best is better than the best of the best last year. You know, and you can, you can choose from, you know... It, Everybody who is amazing in America helps everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's in our best interest to make everybody amazing. I'll, I'll try to get back to the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have yeah, a tendency yeah, yeah, yeah. to go no, off on these. Yeah, me uh, too. So go ahead. Um, well, so the brand new Congress, the idea that they originally had was completely mental. It was, let's replace all the, what they would call establishment Democrats, the Joe Bidens. Mm-hmm. Let's replace all of them with these far left progressives or essentially socialists, socialists, AOCs. They, they were saying, let's, let's do a bunch of Elizabeth Warrens. We want everybody in Congress to be Elizabeth Warren. That was their idea. But it wasn't just the establishment Democrats. They were also going to, this is, and this is completely nuts. They were going to go after 
red states, red districts, Congress, because people don't know who their congressman is. Mm-hmm. People don't know who they're voting for for Congress. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just hit the R. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're Republican, they just hit the R. So, so they were, so they were, um, their idea was, let's go into these areas in which there's very, very little voter turnout because everybody just expects the Republicans going to be elected. Mm-hmm. And let's bring a progressive in there to campaign as a Republican in their primary. And let's go to all the progressives in the area kind of quietly and tell them all, oh, vote for this guy, because even though he's a Republican, he's really with us. He's really a progressive. And they'd get them on the ballot as a Republican, right? They'd win their primary because nobody votes in that region anyway. And then everybody who, you know, who needed to vote in the, in the, um, in the general would just tick the box for Republican. Right. They wouldn't even think about it because that would be the Republican nominee. Right. This progressive, this socialist. Mm -hmm. And that's how they're going to sneak socialists in (laughs) into Congress as Republicans. That's what I mean, it's completely mental. And do we know that they're not doing that? No, I think that they still plan to do this. I think the only guard we have against this kind of tomfoolery is telling people about it. I think if people know what's going on, they'll know what to look for and especially reporters and people who look into this stuff. Hopefully, this, people will get the word out. This kind of goes to uh, almost the, the, what was the saying from Hitler, that the more outrageous the lie, mm. the more likely people are to believe it. Mm. Where this is, the, the more uh, outrageous the act, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, could, you can pull off the outrageous yeah. because people will go, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. This is, this is why people think Soros is a conspiracy theory. Yeah, that's right. A lot of these big, the big lie, right? This, yeah. These big lies are, they work because people just dismiss them as it's crazy. fiction. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be making this up. You're not going to get rid of the free market system in America. Well, if everybody thinks that and they don't do anything to protect it, mm-hmm. we will. Yeah. We will. Okay, so Justice Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, they changed their name. Why did they change their name, do you know? Yeah, because they started work with uh, Cenk Uger of the, uh, the Young Turks. It was a real piece of work, that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's actually not quite as crazy as a lot of people, but he's very bombastic, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got a loud voice, and he's got a big channel on YouTube, the Young he's Turks. He's got a, a very large uh, pocketbook for mm-hmm. lefties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he got in He got in with Zach Exley and Saikot Chakrabarty and that whole team that were doing the brand new Congress thing. Mm-hmm. And he, um, Jank, pitched it to the Young Turks audience as Justice Democrat. So he, he had, either he had a similar idea or he took that idea and, or something yeah. happened where they had a parallel idea and the brand new Congress guys said, okay, well he's got this huge audience, so we're just going to call it whatever the heck he wants to call it. He wants to call it Justice Democrats? Fine, we'll call it Justice Democrats. So they changed the name, I think, for Jenks. You know, and that's why originally in my original video I said Jenk uh, was the mastermind. Because he, he sort of pitched it that way. Like mm-hmm. he, it was his idea. Mm-hmm. It is only until I researched further I realized, no, he's just a, he was sort of being used. Um, front as man. A yeah, front man. Um, the, um, the propaganda wing of mm-hmm. the, of the uh, brand new mm-hmm. Congress, Justice Democrats Party. Which I, they really should be their own political party because they're really their own crazy thing with the Green mm-hmm. New Deal and mm-hmm. paying people who don't want to work and crazy. It's legit mental. But the the third party doesn't work, especially right in a Democratic party because of the super delegates and everything else. They right. you're gonna you'll die on the vine. I don't know why they do that over there. By the way, the super delegate thing mis- because of Mr. Reagan. Do you not know that? 
that story? No, I don't know why they okay, did so the super delegate. I just know it's a problem for them every single election. Yeah. Well, yeah. they saw Reagan take over the Republican Party uh. and become so radical. And here's this guy who was so radical, <laughs> yeah. took over the Democratic or Republican Party and changed the course of the Republican mm. Party. And they did not want that to happen. So um, back in the 80s, they a said, safeguard. A how safeguard. do we safeguard a radical from coming in and changing us? So they did the superdelegates. Right. So that kept people like Bernie Sanders yeah. out, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. The people don't get as much of a voice as Correct. the DNC. Correct. Yeah. Oh, gosh, these guys. I mean, it's just a, it's just a PR nightmare for them. <laughs> they really yeah. need to fix that. Because yeah. well, people want to believe that they have a voice, even if... I think on the left, it's, it's tough for, for to be a leftist, I think, today. Because they don't distinguish. This is something that I keep talking about on my channel. On the right, you know, white supremacists and KKK, they're all accused of being right-wing. I don't consider them right-wing. They're not. I consider them their own delusional thing. They're all national socialists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's not right. The identity, yeah, you know, identitarians. Yeah, and, and so, but on the left, they don't. They don't distinguish themselves. On the right, we say, th that's not us, okay? Mm -hmm. we, we distance ourselves. We're like, those guys mm -hmm. are toxic. We don't have anything to do with them. Mm -hmm. On the left, they don't do that. They don't say, oh, no, 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 Antifa doesn't speak for me. They, say, they, they justify what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They'll say, well, I don't believe in violence, but, you know, it actually kind of makes sense because they're not so bad. They think, they think the same thing I do. It's like, what are you doing? You have to the distinguish thing, yourself from your crazies. The same thing that uh, those in Germany, uh, w when they made excuses for the brown shirts. Yeah. You know, yes, but there's they just want order. And yes, they get out of hand from time to time. And they think they can control it. And they will never control it. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Okay, so go back to, so, so uh, uh, the Justice Democrats okay. get their new name. And what do they do? Okay, so they do, they do this casting call. They, they decide that, okay, we're going to try to put... Jenk convinced them not to do the Republican thing, right? Not to go into these smaller districts. And he's, he's like, let's just focus on the establishment Dems. We want to get those guys out because he really hates the establishment Dems, which is something I kind of understand because he thinks that they're kind of bought and paid for by Wall Street and corporations and this kind of stuff. They all are. Exactly. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say they all are. Most a lot are. of people, both on both, on both sides. sides. Yeah, both on both sides. sides. And, and I'll, I'll agree with Jenk on that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, he's, you know, that's why I say he's like not the worst of them, right? You know, he's got a legit beef, mm -hmm. you know. So, okay. So he wants to get the establishment out. He wants to get these progressives in, which I don't think is any better, but he thinks they're better. So he convinces them just to go after the Democrats. And that's exactly what they do. And they get a, just a, they don't get as many as they wanted, but they get a ton of nominees for, um, for Congress um, for, it was 2016, right? And AOC was one of their people. And they got a few in, I, I don't remember all their names right off the top of my head because I, it's been a while since I did that stuff, but um, they got a few of the people in and they, and they sponsored, they, they like said, okay, we, we're kind of aligned with some people who are already in Congress, stuff like that. Um, but AOC was really their home run. I mean, that was the uh, new evidence has surfaced to suggest that AOC wasn't actually um, nominated in the same way everybody else was. Because the, one guy that's been investigating this stuff for a long time suspects that she knew Zach Exley from before the nominating process happened. So she did go through the process the same as everybody else, but it was like a show to make it look like everything was fair, when in reality they'd kind of handpicked her beforehand and said, you're, 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 you're golden. 
But the idea was that they would bring in people in a nominating process and then they would um, go over their resume and, and hire them in the same way that you would hire a, an actress, right? And the, the idea was that they write the script and these congressmen read the script, right? And, and they talk about this in their video. They say, well, you didn't have any interest in running for office before us, right? And she's like, no. And they say, you know, this is a group first movement, right? So this has, this has instructed all of your, everything that you've said and done since you've been elected. It's been group first, right? You've been following the, and she's like, absolutely. And they're just admitting to it in the video. I mean, it's, 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 it's on stunning. Video. When you yeah. see the video, it's stunning. It's amazing how transparent some of these people are. They don't think I don't think they're doing anything wrong. I remember when we exposed the Tides Foundation and one of the guys who was behind the Tides Foundation for the Obamacare, Mm -hmm. he said, some people say this is a Trojan horse. I know this from memory because I played that video so many times on television. (laughs) Some people say this is a Trojan horse. It's not a Trojan horse. It's right there. I'm showing it to you. We will have single-payer health care. And that's a big defense of the Justice Democrats and brand-new Congress and, and the Young Turks. They'll say, I don't know why you think this is some kind of evil conspiracy. This is on the table. We're showing it to you. We're broadcasting it. We want everybody to know right. what we're doing. But once you say it, what happened to you? <laughs> I know. Anything <laughs> close to a conspiracy. How could it be a conspiracy? Here it is. They're saying it. I know. And Snopes got on me and BuzzFeed got on me. Fact checkers, you yeah, know, yeah, quote yeah. unquote fact checkers. And uh, they're like, oh, you know, there's 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 several reasons why this is false. Uh, one reason that it's false is that, uh, you know, everybody's doing it. It's like, no, not everybody no. is doing this. Another reason it's it's not true is because. It's not a secret. They've, you know, they've talked about this. It's like, okay, you can murder somebody in secret or you can murder somebody in public. You still murder somebody. Mm-hmm. It's still bad. And I, I don't remember what the, the last point I was going to make is. But, yeah, they, they, they're trying to fact check. They also like to fact check the idea that I said she was an actress, right? Um, as if she has, like, a SAG membership. Yeah. Right? right. And I, I, these guys wrote me and I, I wrote them back and I said, look, you know, that was a metaphor. You know, mm-hmm. that, I was saying that as a way to explain what she was doing. You know, she was a casting call. It is, wasn't a casting call, but it, it, that's a good way to illustrate it. You right? were in Hollywood. You were clear in that yeah. video. Yeah. You were using a metaphor. Using it as very an analogy. Clear. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> why would you fact check? that? I heard that uh, Snopes actually fact check a couple of. Um, Oh, what is it? The Babylon Bee articles? Oh, that's like so they, funny. Like, so funny. I love the Babylon Bee. Yeah, they're like, well, you're fact-checking parodies and, and satire, and it's like, what are you doing? These guys have no credibility. They just, they're just, again, they're like a propaganda thing for, for leftists. But so why are they so effective? Because they did it with AOC, and they just, talk a little bit about, I'm assuming you know, the new district attorney uh-huh. uh, from the same district from AOC. Uh, yeah, no, York. I actually haven't read about, up on okay, her. She, but, this is crazy. But, I, I, you know, obviously I saw it in the news, but I yeah. didn't actually do my so, research. same exact story. She's going to be the district attorney. Um, one of the tweets... Excuse me, sir. Um, one of the tweets that I saw her um, uh, make right after the election was, the reason why we won is because of our very dedicated uh, door knockers and, yeah. uh, and workers. They were sex workers, ex-cons, really? and illegal immigrants. Ugh. In her tweet, illegal immigrants, ex-cons, and sex workers. 
This is the district attorney. Yeah, that's who we want. Right. Prosecuting the criminals of uh, New York City. Oh, and, my and goodness. It, this was all done and organized by the yeah. same Justice, yeah, Justice Democrats. Democrats. Yeah, they, they have such a bizarre and By the way, that agenda. was a five-term sitting district attorney. Oh, no. A Democrat. Yeah. A Democrat. Yeah. They're not coming. There's, there's no one in the press that is talking about yeah. the civil war in the Democratic Party. Oh, yeah. It makes yeah. the Tea Party look like nonsense. Because yeah. when we did the Tea Party... We thought we were making progress. Uh-huh. We weren't making any progress. Those guys are going to do whatever the hell they want. We made no, no real progress lasting, in my opinion. And that's why Donald Trump is there, because everybody was pissed. Okay, really? You want to play that game? Yeah. Okay, meet our junkyard dog. Right. That's you know exactly I mean? right. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. These guys are actually making an impact. I was talking to Joe Lieberman, and he said, I said, where are the, where are the Democrats who don't believe that we should abandon the free market. He said, Glenn, they're all afraid to say anything. Yeah. They're terrified of those guys. There is a war and the, the rational left, if you can even call them that, uh, they're losing the war. They're losing the war because the radical left, the, the socialists, they, their voice is so loud. And what they're saying is interesting to people because it's stuff that people haven't heard really. Mm-hmm. So at least they haven't heard it in a way that sounds good i mean it was always you know portrayed i i think accurately as you know a devastating you know system uh to to implement government wise but these guys are presenting it as if no it's gonna be good because it's gonna help save miami from going underwater and you know all these ridiculous so 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 what is it do you think they actually believe um you know It's a good, that's an excellent question. I, I think that it has... Okay, I'll tell you what I think. I think that there is a fundamental delusion within the left, and I don't even think it's just the progressive radical left. I think it's like, even if, like a hair left, even the moderate left oftentimes accepts this, which is that there are good guys and there are bad guys, and they want to be one of the good guys. They want to be a white knight. They want to stand, you know, tall and say, I'm a good guy. And the good guys are, well, okay, let's go with the bad guys first. The bad guys are men. The bad guys are the white colonialists of, of Europe, you know, you know, the colonized America and the other places. Uh, Christians, traditional Christianity is the enemy, right? Because Christians, you know, persecuted gays or something, right? So, and the good guys are LGBT, ethnic minorities, immigrants, Muslims. These are the good guys. So in their mind, it's not like they, they it's almost like they can't fathom that some Muslims might be bad, some black people might be bad, some white people might be good, some men might be good. They just have this line that they draw, and they say, these are the good guys, and these are the bad guys. Let us design a society that punishes the, the, the bad guys, and that elevates the good guys. And their whole system functions on that delusion. And so that's why I always say, the left will always be wrong. They will always fail in attempting to design a society that works because they've got these fundamental delusions about who's good and who's bad. And you've got to look at people as individuals. Some people are good and some people are bad in every group. You say they always fail, but they don't always fail. Sometimes it takes 70 years. Sometimes it well, takes Well, right. No, they don't always fail immediately. You know, they don't yeah. always fail. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, I'm not convinced these guys are going to fail. No. Well, they, they are a danger, and you make a really good point, and that's something I didn't think of, is working off the template of Justice Democrats and brand new Congress, another group could form that could be even more effective. And that is actually kind of terrifying if you had another outside group come in because it's a powerful idea to be part of a group and and the really the, and to me winning group. and a winning group and and the, and the really annoying thing is that the people who voted for AOC didn't know that that she was just parroting you know some writer's script and when you say that i saw your video mm-hmm. and what was shocking mm-hmm. and it explained her it totally explained her um, how she was saying exactly yes. what Justice Democrats were saying four years before. She right. obviously got the f- script, which to me totally explains when, how do you feel about Israel? Yeah. Well, Israel is a bad place. They're the oppressor. Well, can you tell me more about that? Well, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't no. qualified. She, she wasn't qualified. Right. And it shows that she's learning things. She's repeating and regurgitating something that she doesn't believe that she's been told or taught or whatever. And there's no depth there. Yeah. No, there's no. She doesn't fully. She is so emblematic of so many leftists that I've met throughout my life, either back home in Oregon where I grew up or in Los Angeles where I live now who don't really know anything about politics, but they heard a couple of talking points on MSNBC or CNN. They heard Don Lemon talking or Rachel Maddow. They heard some kind of talking point and they were like, yeah, yeah, the Israelis are so mean to those Palestinians. Right, right. Like, you know, so I'm for the Palestinians because they're the underdog, you know, that they work on an emotional level. They'll say these are the underdogs. These are the oppressed and these are their oppressors. These are the bad guys. And if you want to be good, You'll join us in defending these oppressed, these poor oppressed people. And the conservative will go, but didn't they just send a bunch of missiles against their so-called oppressors? And they'll be like, yeah, but I mean, come on. Those are just like little missiles. Yeah, right, and, right. And, the, you know, and what would you do? such a good defense system that right. it doesn't even really matter. That's right. It's That's like, right. what are you talking about? They're literally trying to murder these people. And they're stating it. Yeah, then they're stating it openly. Yeah. And they'll, if they find somebody on their own, sort of like, you know, a, a lost lamb, rape and murder and awful stuff happens. And it's just, it's, it's a pretty nasty situation over there. Um, and it's a nuanced situation, granted. Um, there, there is, you know, there are, like I said, there's good and bad people on both sides in, in every group. But what, what do you, look what do you make of the, of the relationship? Have you looked into the relationship of... Elon on uh, Elon Omar and uh, and care and the Muslim infiltration of this radical revolutionary wing of the Democratic Party yet. Uh, no, I haven't gone into the Muslim thing. A lot of people really wanted me to because um, it's very important to a lot of people. Um, but I, I, you know, that's a tricky one. I mean, that that one takes a lot of research. Again, you really have to. Years. Yeah, you have to, to, yeah, you have to sure. really get get into it. Um, I have some some Muslim friends, really good people, you know, really, really solid people that that are, you know, family people that are trying to make their way and do the right thing. And the left, I think, does have a valid concern that people will become um, hateful of anyone who is is Muslim. True. If we don't educate people on the difference between 
somebody who follows Islam yeah. and somebody who is an Islamist. Right. If you're an Islamist, you believe that the 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 caliphate must be executed, that there is no law outside of the Quran. Yeah. And those are dangerous people and they are oppressing. I mean, the first ones they're going to kill are the are the people who follow Islam, but don't are not Islamists. Right. So they're on the front line. Right. And I think uh, people that oh, are good Muslims, they understand that and we're betraying them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, care is is uh, uh, a front for Hezbollah. Yeah. And, you know, how does a woman if you are if you are with uh, care and Hezbollah. uh how do you get away with being for women's rights uh, and all of these things, gay rights? How are you for those things? And unless your your Hamas front group yeah. Yeah. is suddenly just a really good, you know, non right. uh, Quran following group yeah. that doesn't want death to Israel, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. Well, have you heard? I, I think, think, I call I think it there's, this, her. there's this idea in Islam. I forget what it's called. I think it's Takir or something yes. like that. You know, Takir. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that you, and you it's interpreted lie. in different ways by different mm-hmm. Muslims. But the, the one one interpretation is, yeah, you just pretend mm-hmm. that you believe the things that your host country believes, or your if host you are country. if you are um, standing with the Quran mm-hmm. and standing with what uh, the Quran actually says according to them mm-hmm. that you can lie yep. to further these goals uh, and you're perfectly cool. And that is such an awful thing to have in your culture because how can anyone trust anyone from your culture? Well, if that's part of it. That's the same with us though. I suppose that's true. I suppose anybody can lie. Yeah. Anybody can lie. I mean that's not in our scriptures but, but that, it is well, in that's our, the problem. It's in our culture. You're right. That's true. There. I mean, but like I said, there are good and bad people in every group. Mm-hmm. But written into their actual laws is this. And and again, not everybody interprets it that way. Mm-hmm. But no, if, there's a. It, read my book. <laughs> it is about Islam. Right. There is clearly an Islam yeah. that is a reformist movement that a lot of people. But all the people in that group are afraid of the Islamists. 100%. Yeah. And the Islamists are, are the danger. At the end of the day, I think that the, the good Muslims need to stand up against the Islamists. Why would they? I'll tell you why. Because it's, it's going to always be hard for them everywhere they go if everybody's afraid that they might be a terrorist right so they know that Mm -hmm. but i have good friends who are who are muslim uh, judy uh, zudi jasser who uh is an amazing uh guy he stands firmly against it his life is hell i know i know because the bad guys will shut you down yeah but i think that in a group in a large enough group if it was a movement that happened in mass right that it would not be possible to but who's going to again just i'm just trying to put myself in the in the mindset i mean i'm totally american, sympathetic as well i mean yeah, i am of, of I an am. american muslim 
who they've gone to Congress and they've begged, they've cried, please yep. listen to us. We're right. you're, these people are coming over. They're in our communities mm-hmm. and you're turning a blind eye and right. the media, they come out, they're hate. <sighs> well, you, you, you're getting to really the crux of the issue, I think, which is that any time the left pretends that something doesn't exist, like to me, if something's real, if there's a real problem that legitimately exists in the world, to pretend that that problem doesn't exist does not make you a good person. But the left thinks that it does. The left thinks that every racial problem that exists does not oh, that doesn't exist because I'm not a racist. It's like, no, it doesn't make you not a racist to pretend that there is not problems in the black community does not make you not an Islamophobe because you're pretending that there is no such thing as Sharia law or, you know, (laughs) radical Islam or any of this stuff. They just pretend that it doesn't exist so that they can pretend that there are good people and they love everybody and blah, 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 blah. It's like, look, guys, not tackling a problem doesn't make you a good person. It just makes you a coward, really. But that's what the left wants to do. They want to pretend that they're a good person. They think that pretending these problems don't exist makes them good. The fact that you think that there's problems in the black community, that makes you an evil person. Correct. It's like so stupid. It You're is. never going to solve a problem that way. Never. Never. We would never. And that's really what I fight against on my channel. It's like just the instant, like, the, like without hesitation, you're a racist, you're, you're a homophobe, you're an Islamophobe, because you're willing to accept that one of these groups may have an issue. So it's, you know, I thought Showtime is running this um, series on uh, roger ailes and fox mm, yeah there's and there's actually two there's the showtime one and then there's a, a feature film coming out which i am in <laughs> are you really <laughs> i have a line it's a very short line yeah. but i have a line you play i play i'm in o'reilly's uh booth i'm in o'reilly's booth and i what, what, what is my line it's um oh uh drudge Drudge took down the report or something. I yelled, Drudge took down the report, and everybody runs to their computers. <laughs> it's great fun, man. I was with Margot Robbie. We had a great time. She's awesome. So um, they're doing this <laughs> uh, this series, and I haven't watched it yet, um, yeah. but I will. And uh, um, as I was watching the trailer, I thought, this is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the things that I've seen in a trailer and the sexual things that were going on, I absolutely believe. Didn't see it myself, but I absolutely believe sure. it. Um, the culture there was very, very toxic. Um, with that being said, Hollywood is a much bigger expert on Harvey Weinstein. And so why True. isn't there a movie, a movie. <laughs> or a, a series or a documentary on Weinstein? Yeah. It, it, they don't want to open that door, I think, because they're still afraid. No. Um, nobody in their community wants to hear it because so many people no. were involved uh, in it. And so you're not, they never will take on their own community first. Take the beam out of your own eye first. I love that scripture. Yeah, I love that scripture. You know, I'll tell you what, I do think that there is... There are enough conservatives in Hollywood that are, that are secret conservatives that we're getting to a tipping point where I do think that they're going to come out of the closet. You know, well, they as did, and then they kind of went back in the closet. I, I, well, you're talking specifically about the Harvey Weinstein situation. I mean... Oh, no, no, I mean no. About, I mean, no, no, no. I mean um, Friends of Abe. Well, right. Well, no, no, no. There's, there's still groups. Trust me. I'm, are there? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. I'm, good, I'm, good. I'm, 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 I'm there on the front lines. They, they, you know, they have to meet in secret. We actually had somebody, um, 
I won't say who, come to speak at one of our events the other day, and there was like government helicopters, you know, making sure that everything mm. was was uh, mm. copacetic. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, so yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to be out there in Hollywood, but I do think that there is going to be. Do you remember Miramax in the 90s started to do independent films, but mm-hmm. it was obviously mm-hmm. distributed by, by Miramax, and a lot of them had big budgets. That was sort of like, oh, look, we're doing our own kind of interesting thing over here because there's a market for this. In the 90s, mm-hmm. they liked this ultra-violent mm-hmm. sex stuff. I think that there may be a pocket for that in Hollywood now for conservatism. I think that somebody, a smart producer, will figure out, okay, there is a market to be, you know, there's money to be made here, like a lot of money, a lot of money. If they were to make feature films that were marketed to conservatives, that had conservative values, that hired writers like, you know, conservative writers, I think that there's money to be made there. So the only one that I can think that could do this is Jason Blum. But Jason needs to, I mean, with with his theory with with, um, horror films was... Is that Blumhouse? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And his theory with with, um, horror films, which is where he started was he was watching the studio system and people who are not fans of horror movies were making them. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't made right. for fans right. of horror movies. And right. so he said, you know what, I'm going to take the horror movie business out here and I'm going to make sure that the only people who are making it are the fans right. of horror movies yeah. and look at how well yeah, his Now he's movies, one of the biggest studios. Correct. Yeah. And he's doing that with, I mean, in fact, the Fox movie is made by Blumhouse as well. Mm-hmm. But what he's doing is, and if he does this, if he does this right without necessarily going to the people who are making church films. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, you know, yeah I know. It will work. Uh-huh. Hollywood does these these God films or conservative films, and they're just ridiculous. They're made by leftists. Correct. They don't, they don't know how, you know, I could never blend in yeah. at a Barbara Streisand cocktail party, you know, <laughs> and go and just pull that off. I yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. If they find the good directors that know how to make a... A good movie, not a message yeah. movie, a good, a good movie. movie that just agree. doesn't assault me all the time. <laughs> a lot did of you money. See, did you see uh, Captain Marvel? Yeah. yeah. I watched that specifically to see what the, oh man, unbelievable, just, just unbelievable in your face messaging I, from beginning to end. I, just, I walked out of that thinking, I, I don't, I don't, I'm. My Marvel magic, you know, my honeymoon period with Marvel is is over. And it was such a, it was just, it was hard to watch, really, because it... And you know what the crazy thing is? On Marvel movies, what was the one where they had the ships up and they were monitoring everybody and they were going to, you know, start just to, you know, laser all of the people that disagreed? Remember, it was, uh, <laughs> it was one of what all of the, does anybody know on the crew? What was it? Winter Soldier? Winter Soldier, yeah, okay. That was a conservative movie with conservative principles. But I don't think any liberal knows. I watch movies all the time, and I'm like, did they drop the gear in their brain when they were reading this? Yes! (laughs) But they never seem to get it. Well, occasionally they'll throw us a couple of crumbs. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. there was this moment in, uh, which I think was the first Avengers movie, where... um, Captain America is going to jump off of this flying 
airplane helicopter thing mm-hmm. and he's gonna go fight thor and uh somebody said uh somebody goes uh hey hey watch it you know you don't want to get in, involved with this like these guys are practically gods and he goes there's only one god ma'am and he doesn't dress like that and he jumps out of the thing That's i was great. like yeah it's a great That's line a great it's line. a great line and whoever wrote that line either has a little conservative in him or they just got it you know they mm-hmm. got that okay this is going to be a little mm-hmm. this is a little crumb for the conservatives mm-hmm. little religious americans mm-hmm. out there who want to see this and like you know good for them you know they're not they don't care about that stuff anyway but they they know that we like it okay but you know to me, getting excited about that stupid line, you know, which is, you know, it's a cool line, but it's just a little line in a movie. I, that's such a, a good indication to me, such a strong indication that if you just made a movie that was a good movie, that was tailored to conservatives. Personally, I think most, so of, successful. So I think so successful. most of the Marvel movies, because they were so Stan Lee, mm-hmm. do have that American... Yeah underpinnings and i think that's one of the reasons why they are so successful not all of them but a lot of them have those right you know underpinnings the um uh shoot i i lost my train of thought i don't remember the star wars movies were are are like to me a disaster right it's like the complete opposite of marvel you're you're 100 percent right in that you know and i i think one of the things with the marvel movies they're not afraid to have a straight white guy be the, the the leader you know or the the hero or something like that the, every other movie that's ever made today if you're a straight white guy you're either a doofus or you're the villain those are your two options really for straight white guys the marvel movies are the only sort of bastion left you know in hollywood for like an old-fashioned action movie or an old-fashioned adventure movie where it's amazing to me that we have destroyed all of our heroes yeah and yet we're we're making these heroes up and they generally reflect the principles of the old america yep. and they don't and they don't see that they don't get that they yeah. uh, they're just doing it for money yeah they they're so misreading can can i change subjects please um let's talk about the news of the day ish okay. okay let's talk about uh first of all what's your take on Biden and mm. uh, and all of the candidates. Let's go through them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've done specials on all of them. Uh, there's a lot. Let's go through them. Uh, easier said than done. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, Let's just take the top few. My my favorite is Tulsi Gabbard. She was my favorite from before. Um, I don't think that she brought up the things that I liked in the debates, uh, but I think that was smart because she's not trying to get my vote. She's trying to get the Democrats' vote. So it was good that she sort of pandered a little bit and said some lefty stuff. Um, Biden. I really didn't expect him to go down quite as hard as he did uh, with uh, Kamala Harris. I remember watching that kind of confused because I because I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know about this busing thing that right. happened before I was born. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that's like really in the history books because it was sort of like a an add on to the civil rights movement. Right. It was like this extra mm-hmm. added extra that nobody really cared about. So I listened at least on the West Coast, perhaps. Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. And I, I was watching that and I thought, OK, so you were part of the second class of students in California specifically to have some kind of force busing, whatever that means. And you were that girl. OK, what did you just say and who the heck cares? And I remember thinking, like, the way she said that leftists are going to love it. They're just going to eat that up because I'm watching it. and I'm thinking she I, like said practically nothing, but the style was there. I have to tell you, I, I, I think you're at the beginning of 
uh, of the road, and I'm surprised that you didn't frame it differently because you are a writer. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. How should I have framed it? And you're a storyteller. No, no, no. In in my opinion, the reason why that was effective is because she knows how to tell a story. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting to. Yeah. Okay. She... She started telling this story about this little girl, and yeah. right, I mean, the alarm bells go off. Yeah. You know how it's going to end. She's using the elements. But she yeah. knows how, and that little girl was, was me. me. Yeah. And so she connected <laughs> with the American people. She literally could have said anything, any story about She's, catching butterflies. That little girl, girl was, was me. me. Yeah. And you knew they were going to be like, oh, uh-huh. I'm voting for her. Right. You know, yeah. so, so to me, she is the most dangerous oh, yeah. for Donald Trump. Because if she can get, she's not trusted on the economy, she's not trusted on health care, she's not trusted on anything. Yeah. Race relations because of that line, maybe. But everything else. Yep. But she is dangerous because how does Donald Trump, who does Donald Trump, yep. uh, how does he take her apart on the debate stage? It's a good question. I, I, you can never underestimate Trump. Trump, oh, no. Trump is a wild card, man. No, I know. I, I imagine... And I've not seen him play... No, I've seen him play a bad hand over and over again, and yet he walks so away from the table with all the chips, <laughs> and you're like, how did that just happen? Wait, what just happened? He's yeah. like a magician. I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I, well, I'll tell you what. I always discounted Kamala Harris, which maybe I shouldn't have done, because I knew she was articulate. I knew she was savvy i knew she could She's tell a, a good prosecuting story. attorney the way she speaks is excellent mm-hmm. I mean, she presents herself beautifully yeah but the way she started her career is so problematic for her and i don't know how she can recover from that in san francisco yeah in san francisco with willie uh, willie brown i mean i don't think most people know about that i mean i've talked about it on my show but i don't have a huge reach and it's like how do you start your career by being somebody's girlfriend mm-hmm. and that not come back and then go run for president. I mean, everybody's going to be like, uh, I don't want you to be my president. I mean, you would think that. Nah, I mean, maybe we're not maybe today's we're in America. We're so far about it. Maybe we're so far. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't I know if you've ever watched the show, The Flash. Yeah, the, 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 the CW show. show? Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, their theory about, you know, the multiple Earths. This is from Earth 7. That's a, that's a DC Comics thing. Yeah. 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 I think we just keep slipping onto different places. Because I'll wake up and I'm like, different when, did, realities, yeah. when did the language change? When did everything change? Look, I, I'm, all for, I'm all for forgiveness. You know, I'm all for like, you know, people can change and, you know, people have to go through stuff and whatever. Um, and so I don't like holding people to something that they did 30 years ago. Right. Um, so, so maybe that's a good thing that we don't care about that anymore. You know, maybe that's okay. Well, but no, I, wait, you know, wait, wait. I mean, I'm with you as long as it's consistent. They clearly care about the past. Oh, Mr. oh Kavanaugh. Sure, 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 sure. I'm not talking about leftists. I'm right. Okay. Leftists. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. talking about like generally, I, the, speaking. Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah. I think it's a good thing to forgive people. And I wouldn't I, I personally wouldn't hold it against her. I just I'm trying to read the tea leaves and try to figure mm-hmm. out how America is going to react. So how is America? Are we we're seeing a slide with Joe Biden? Sure. Do you count him out now? I, I it's it's a tough thing because he, you know I always said like wait for the debates because everybody was like oh you know Joe Biden he's 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 got the top numbers and I'm like yeah because he's got the best name recognition that's it he's the only he was the only establishment guy with name recognition like all of the other moderates um, gosh Tim Ryan who who knows who Tim Ryan yeah, is yeah I, I spent most of the night on that first night going. Who I don't. Who is this? Well, I did a whole thing on this. I knew who yeah. they all were. Hickenlooper, 
the hell is John Hickenlooper? Yeah. John Jacob Hickenlooper Smith. That's what I know. Everybody, I know. That's what makes me think of. Uh, he's an all right guy. I mean, a lot of these guys are all right. People in Colorado would be mad at me for saying that. But, um, you know, in terms of personality, they're fine. Hickenlooper's a kind of funny guy because he, um, he went to a, a um, deep throat with his mom in the movie theater. Did you hear about that? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy. lot of these guys have such funny stories. Uh, Mike Gravo didn't make no, the that's debates. not a funny story. That's just a weird <laughs> story. <laughs> I meant funny in the sense of yeah, odd. Yeah, like, yeah. Just odd, odd folks. And um, who was the other guy? Delaney. Delaney's a moderate. Uh, how about uh, Marianne Williamson, if you want to wow. talk about weird. Okay, so yeah, that's not moderate. That's crazy land. That's yeah. weird. And she's a cult leader. She's like a legit cult leader. That's why she sounds kind of good when she's on stage, right? Like, the way she speaks is a little bit... Yeah, she's the Course in Miracles lady. She's exactly. yeah, yeah, she's, you know, an Oprah kind of uh, guru. She's had a lot of practice speaking in front of audiences. Mm-hmm. So she presents herself well, and she's kind of authoritative, you know. But the stuff she says is so crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but I'm it makes good har- television. I'm going to harness love, <laughs> and I know love will win. You, know, you up, are insane <laughs> if you think you are going to say something like that to Donald Trump and he's not going to Listen, I would love you. it if she was right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I would love you her know? to be the candidate. Yeah. Love, just to see those two on stage <laughs> would just be just you know, outrageous. I'm not even sure great. Trump would know how to deal with her. He'd just be like, I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> and now it's all you'd, crazy. <laughs> that's all you'd have to say. That's all he'd have to say. I don't know how to deal with this woman. And I think Please. that says everything we need to say that's here right. tonight. <laughs> uh, okay, so Elizabeth Warren. You know what? I felt like people were like, oh, she did well in the first half. She did bad in the second half. I felt like she did well in her opening gambit. And then each subsequent thing that she said, I kind of started to tune out. I think she's easy to tune out and Sanders is easy to tune out, even though he's shouting at everybody like an old man on the front porch, you know, yelling at the, the teenagers just, to get off his he lawn. He just looks crazy now. You know why he looks crazy? Because everybody he else is, is crazy. A, oh, yeah, he is crazy. <laughs> but, uh, somebody, somebody said, I don't know why I didn't recognize this before I had to learn this from somebody on Fox or something, but um, everybody's adopted his platform. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So many people have adopted his ridiculous, absurd policies mm-hmm. that he's boring now. Mm-hmm. He's just considered like there's some old guy shouting the same things as everybody else, but he just sounds a little weirder doing it. So people are kind of, I think, I think that he's done. I, I mean, I kind of predicted this beforehand. Elizabeth Warren had her day in 2016. She didn't take it. Bernie Sanders had his day in 2016. And he got screwed. I mean, he, he got screwed mm-hmm. um, by the DNC. Um, I think the excitement over those two is is over. Elizabeth Warren probably has a, a lot more steam than Bernie, but yeah, she. I just, thought she was. I really thought she was over the Indian thing. Was just like, I am fifteen times more Indian. I swear to you, fifteen times more Native American yeah. than she is. Yeah, she's as white as as you can possibly oh, yeah. get. I mean, yeah. look at me. Do I look like you know? Yeah. <laughs> I have any Indian in me? Yeah, no, I can't claim. I'm just a German. I got a little. Yeah. I got a quarter Scottish, but German is. I'm the whitest of the white, but I'm kind of. I'm a little dark. Yeah, dark, <laughs> yeah. I don't right. know how. I look. I don't look Italian right. somehow. But so, how do you think this is going to play out? How do you think? What do you what do you think we should be looking for? What does it say to you that Biden is coming down, Bernie is coming down, Kamala is is surging? It is fascinating. Yeah, you do see. I think Kamala is the leader now. I mean, that's pretty much what everybody's uh, saying. But you know, it's the first debate, so we're going to see some campaigning, some people trying to capitalize on. You know, who surprised me actually was um, 
who's New York? New York. Um, yeah, the the guy, the guy from New York. That oh, uh, Bill De Blasio. Thank you, Bill De Blasio. I was shocked at how good he was. <laughs> okay, you ruined New York. Nobody's going to elect you, but right. you sound pretty good at the yeah. debate. I was like pretty impressed. I was like, crazy. Wow. They are all, all crazy. They're all crazy. So as you look crazy. at this whole field, yeah. who is, uh, who's the most radical? Who's the one that you look at and say, there's a real danger um, to this person because they're, they're a real true believer. Yeah. In radical revolution? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, who are you thinking of? I know you got somebody in mind, probably. If you're asking the question. <laughs> I think, I think, well, Bernie Sanders, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about not for the election. I'm talking if they're president. Bernie Sanders, oh, oh, I Elizabeth see. Warren. Uh, oh, yeah. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren are, are, are for sure. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a different question. Who do you think is doing well and who do you think is the most dangerous? That's what, so what I'm asking you is not I'm talking about which one would you say once they got in, if they win, that's the most dangerous. Maybe <laughs> maybe uh, uh, Marianne Williamson. But uh, yeah, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, I do. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I mean, it's definitely Bernie and, and Elizabeth Warren, because n- not only. Bernie's a true believer for sure. I mean, he went to USSR, not Russia, USSR on his honeymoon. I mean, that's, that's tr- a true believer. I mean, that's yeah. a little mental. Uh, so that guy's a full-on communist. I mean, people are like, oh, he's a socialist like Denmark. Uh, Denmark's not socialist, first of yeah. all. Secondly, he's, a, he's a, like a Soviet-style communist. I mean, he's hardcore. Elizabeth Warren, I think, may be even more dangerous because she is an incredibly arrogant academic. Kind of like Obama was, except Elizabeth Warren, she taught at Harvard, right? So she thinks of herself as intellectually superior. You know, it's the, it's the centralized state. It's the whole concept of the centralized state. Well, we're smarter than the people, so we can organize everything, and we're essentially like omnipotent, and we can, mm-hmm. we can make everything work. And mm-hmm. it's that arrogance that I think is very corrupting, because then you start to implement things that you are confident about, with you know, and you just take yourself too seriously, and then... And then, you know, you, you end up nosediving the country, not, not, not realizing that you're, you're imperfect, mm-hmm. you know. I think she's, she's a little bit too arrogant. I wouldn't want her to be it's, uh We saw that with Obama, and the only other academic that we ever had was Woodrow Wilson. Right. The right. academics are really... Yeah, because they, they, they just... And I've heard Woodrow Wilson was the same, like very arrogant. Oh, yeah. Very arrogant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was a nightmare. Yeah. He was a nightmare. Um. What is the thing that keeps you up at night? What is the technology, culture, uh, politics? What's the thing that keeps you up at night? I, you know, I'm pretty good. I, I think that we, I, I used to be much more concerned about the direction of the world uh, when I was younger because I could see this sort of degradation of value, of values, of value, of values, of, of our traditional values. Um, but especially since I started my channel, um, started to do to some extent what you're doing, not quite to that level, obviously, (laughs) but, and you must've seen it to some degree too, when you started, uh, working in this field. And I know you've been doing this for quite a while, but you start to see how many people care. And, and that is so heartening. Like, it's so great to see how many people respond and some of the people are a little crazy, but I really get to interact with people um, on YouTube because I'll read the comments section. I'll read my Twitter. I'll read all this stuff uh, as much as I can. I can't get to it at all. But 
um, you get to see how passionate people are and how much people care and how many people are out there that care. Um, and some people have very different visions, uh, you know, of the future and they have very different concerns than I have. But the fact that they care so much and at least they're to some extent working within the real world. I, I'm so I've, I'm so optimistic about how, you know, where we can go with with so many people caring so much. So are we are we as divided as we all think we are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Think so? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I think it comes back to that delusion that I mentioned before. If you genuinely believe that there are good guys and there are bad guys, and you can divide those groups by gender and race and religion, um, you are bound to. There's bound to be a lot of collateral damage. Because yeah, th- sure, there's some straight white Christian guys who are total jerks, who are horrible, horrible people. But that's not all of us. You can't condemn entire demographics because of the sins of a few people. And a lot, of, a lot of the excuse is the sins of a few people hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you got the same skin color and gender as a man who lived 200 years ago and had a slave. So therefore, you're an evil person. So, see, this is the problem. And, and Christianity has done, so, I shouldn't say that. Our, our houses of worship, our religions, mm-hmm. have done such a horrible job at keeping the message of the gospel to the individual. Mm-hmm. Everything is about individual salvation. Absolutely. Everything is. And, you know, this comes from that collective salvation uh, nonsense uh, that uh, socialists have been pitching into our churches forever, mm-hmm. that we all, we all can only really be redeemed when we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. That's not the message, and not the message of the country, not the message of Christ, yeah. and... I think our, I, I think our uh, houses of worship have really dropped the ball. All of our religions have, they're struggling because how many of them really stand for things and can apply it to today's world? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good point. I mean, traditionally, I mean, historically, like the Catholic Church had so much power because you had this huge group of people in Europe who would go to church every Sunday. And it was a natural gathering place. It was a natural group. And if you tied those groups together and you had a centralized, you know, government of those groups, then you had a very powerful entity. And as you know, power corrupts and you would get a lot of corrupt people in the church. Mm-hmm. And then, like you would say, like this collectivist idea, you know, that kind of integrates reasonably well with that. Whereas, you know, I grew up Protestant, right? Non-denominational Protestant. Non-denominal Protestant is exactly what you're saying. Like it's a, the focus is always on the individual, even though yeah, it's encouraged you go to church and you know all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the it's your individual effort to become a better person. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the, the church doesn't always do the, the best job. But I, I was absolutely raised that it's an individual thing. Your your faith is an individual thing. Um, to me, that's a much better, healthier way of looking at it because you don't tie your identity to any any group in particular once you tie your identity to the group then you become an identitarian i mean that that you become one of these people that are like well i may not have done anything good in my life but you know white people invented stuff and i'm part of that <laughs> i'm part of that group right so i must be great i too. must be great and it's like to me to me that's a very it's a very defeatist attitude because then you stop trying yourself to do something good and to do something great in your life doesn't have to be, 
you know, to, to be president or to do, to make major changes in the world, or to be, you know, a YouTube star or to be, you know, the host of a major show or to do something, you know, something that is traditionally considered great in, in, in our culture. You can be great just by being a good man, by being a good father, by being a good husband. Uh, I'm talking about men now, but, uh, you, you know, because I'm a guy and I relate to that. <laughs> but but um, just being a good person and changing a person's life on an individual level is not only so, so it's, a, it's an amazing thing to do on a one-to-one. Like hearing people tell me something that I changed their life on a one-to-one level is so much more satisfying than just just doing my show because even though my show is a fantastic way to try to shift people's views a little bit in a way that I think is good it's that one to one connection that really that is really very powerful mm-hmm. and everybody can do that you can everybody can do that with their friends with their relatives with their family just by being a good person just by living a good example of a good man or a good woman good wife a good husband a good son or a good daughter you know which I wasn't always <laughs> sorry mom <laughs> Mr. Reagan. Glenn Beck. Thanks for being on. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 